Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Hallelujah. Many of us are happy to be in God's presence. It's exciting to uh, have the privilege to worship. What a wonderful time of worship this morning. Can we just put our hands together for our worship leaders, our band. They did a phenomenal job. You can tell when they practice very well and prayed very well. Amen. Like they do every week. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you for being a blessing to us. It was awesome. And I really want to encourage many of you who don't make it for worship time. Uh, It's a very, very, it's a big miss. Uh, You know, when you come in the middle of a service, it's like trying to jump on a moving train. It's not always easy. Many of you don't eventually get there. So please, when you, on Sunday, when you're coming to church, Make sure you are there before it starts. Service starts at 10. This place should be full five minutes to 10. First of all, we honor God when we do that because God is more important than governors, presidents. When you are coming before God, uh, you don't come late. You don't ask God to wait for you. You think that is honorable? That's not. So don't, don't just come before and be part of it. Second, time of worship is so precious. It's so powerful. And uh, our worship team, they, they don't take it lightly, I can tell you. They pray, they practice, because they know God is using them to bring his presence here. Uh, let's, let's watch that and let's improve on that. The Lord help us in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's, let's make it happen next Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you can't join us at 9.30, that's when we actually pray. We pray 9.30 to 10, and we are ushered into into worship at 10 a.m. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is quick. Your word is powerful. Your word is yea. Your word is amen. Your word is like a hammer that breaks every rock into pieces. Your word is like a fire that consumes every chaff. I pray that your word will come today with power. Your word will come with grace. Your word will come with all its authority so that our lives will be changed, transformed by the giving of your word. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Last week, we started a message series, uh, you know, on balance. Be well balanced. How do we assess the balance of God's truth? And we started by saying, our God is most balanced. God is balanced in his character. God's character is balanced. He's the sun, he's the shield, he's God of love. He's also a fearful God at the same time. 
He's a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy. He's balanced in the way, in his character, in his nature. He's also balanced in the way he reveals himself, himself to us. He's balanced even in the nature, in his creation. He creates balance in nature. But unfortunately, we as humans, we are very prone to being imbalanced. We are very, because of our human nature, we are prone to emphasizing a truth of God or one aspect of truth at the expense of the other, which leads to an imbalanced life. An imbalanced life is unstable, and an imbalanced life is also susceptible to the attack of the enemy. And that's why we must seek balance. Praise the name of Jesus. This message is really focused on in understanding the truth of God. Because really, when we, are, when, we, when, we are, when we are not balanced in the way we live our life, it's because we are not balanced in our understanding of truth. Now, I want to just say something that is, you know, before I go on to today, that balance is not average. You know, a lot of people, when they hear the word balance, what they think is average. You know, average is really not what balance means. Average means not excellent. Okay. So balance is not just being okay. All right? Balance is actually excelling. Amen. Because the average, average is the enemy of excellence. All right? What God wants from, for, for us is excellence in our pursuit of truth, in our understanding of truth. And as I was thinking about this during the week, uh, the Lord reminded me of 2 Corinthians 8, 7, which is, you see, Paul's admonition to the Corinthian church. And he said to them, but since you excel in everything, I want you to say excel in everything. In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, that means zeal, and in love we have kindled in you. So this church, these people, they excel. They excel in faith, all right? They excel in speech. They excel in knowledge. You know, yet last week we were talking about it is not good to have knowledge without zeal, right? So that means we must pursue both. So these people excel in knowledge. They also excelled in complete earnestness, which means in zeal. And they also excelled in love. So he's writing to them here. He's saying, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He said, I also want you to excel in giving. So he's talking to them that God's expectation is excellence in all area. It's not average in all area. Because sometimes our mind deceives us to say, if I can just get C in everything, then I am balanced. All right? No, that doesn't work like that. Balance is not getting C in everything, right? It is getting A in everything, and that is your portion in Jesus' name. Today, we're going to talk about balancing or the balance between the spoken word and the written word. Last week, we ended by focusing on the balance between faith, walking by faith, and planning ahead. Sometimes we struggle with that. How do I walk? When do I walk by faith? When do I plan ahead? When is planning ahead? Uh, meaning I'm not walking by faith. You know, I, I, if, you, if you are not here, I would like, I would encourage you to listen to that message. But today we're going to focus on another area that we struggle with. Most of us who are Christians, 
whether knowingly or knowingly, we struggle in this area. There is what God has said and what God is saying. Even in the, among theologians, this, there's, a big, there's a big divide among theologians on which one do we put emphasis on or which one is to be relied upon. What God has said means the word of God, which is the Bible. This is simply what God has said, all right? This was said, this was completed, this was written, and we have it as the Holy Scripture. But also, there is the belief that God is still speaking now, right? He speaks through dreams, visions. He speaks through, you know, uh, through other people. He speaks through us, through word of knowledge, witness of the Spirit, still small voice. There is a belief that God did not stop speaking, and he's speaking now. But that leads us to extreme because, or imbalance because we're human. There are times when, or there are a group of people who believe what God has said is what we rely upon. And they actually believe it doesn't speak anymore. You know, so they are suspicious. When somebody says, God is speaking to me, I have a dream, or there's a prophecy, there's a word, they are suspicious of it. In fact, they discount them completely. Uh, there are theologians who believe, actually that is their belief. They don't believe that happens anymore. Uh, they, they call them the cessationists. They believe those things ceased when the Bible was completed. So theologically, that is their belief. So they don't agree with that. So you will never, they will never believe this happened. But there are other extremes who put so much weight on what God is saying now. Uh, they don't they are not very diligent. Generally, it's because of laziness. All right? They are not very diligent in studying what he has said. But what they are looking for is a dream, a vision, a word, somebody speaking to their lives. Pastors will run across them a lot. They want you to tell them who to marry, what is God saying. All right? They want you to tell them everything, what, what they should do, what they should even eat tomorrow. They want you to tell them. They want you to have a dream for them. And there are people who somehow, that's how they live their life. They run on hearing God now at the expense of hearing what he has said. And uh, even those of us who are not theologians, who are just Christians, somehow you find out that you, are, you can see yourself in one of those if you are in none of those, then that's a, that's a separate problem. We can deal with that later. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, if you go through the scriptures, there are two ways or two Greek words, and we've studied this in the past. There are two Greek words that really that is translated as the word of God in the Bible. One is called the Logos. The logos of the word of God is, logos simply means the total inspired word of God. The total inspired word of God. And that is generally referred to as the scripture. All right? That is already inspired, the living word, the word that is written, the written word, I say, the written word, the word as it is written here is called logos. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the writer of those, that, 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 that book says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophet at many times in various ways. 
And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed here of all things, and through whom he made the universe. So this is capturing the logos, essentially, that God spoke to us in the past. It's writing in the New Testament now. It's making reference to the Old Testament, that God spoke to us in the past through prophets at many times in various ways, and those who are documented. In these last days, he spoke to us through his son. So generally, when we say logos, we're referring as the word of God has already revealed through his word and through Jesus Christ, his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We also know that John chapter 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. So that is the logos, the revealed word of God. The other word is the word called rema. Rema generally refers to as the spoken word of God. It's generally, referred, it's generally meant to mean what God is saying now. In fact, it literally means utterance. The word translated rema literally means utterance, either individually or collectively or specifically. But generally, it means utterance. For example, in John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus said this. He said, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. So Jesus is essentially saying, look, I'm not just all my actions. My actions are not things that I just think up and just do. No. They are as a result of what I'm hearing utterances from God, all right? As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus also said in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep, they hear my voice, or they listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So that means people who are my followers, they can hear me. They can hear my voice. Hallelujah. We also know that Romans 8.14 says, those who are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. The children of God ought to be able to hear Rema. That is, they, 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 that's when they know where to go because they can hear, they can listen. Praise the name of Jesus. So those are the two general words. Now, I'll go back to logo now. The Logos is what God already said that was captured. So it's captured and it became written, a written word, which we can assess. The Bible is the total revelation of God. We cannot add to it. We cannot change it. We cannot bend it anyhow. It is the total or totality of God's revelation. We also know that the Bible is inspired by God. Hallelujah. Yes, it was written by 40 authors over a period of about 1,500 years across two or three continents. But each of those were inspired. In fact, 
Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That is the New Living Translation. So it's important to know that this is very, very important. The word of God is inerrant. That is, it has no error. It carries the full authority of God. This carries the full authority of God. So as a child of God, this is it. This is very, very critical, very important to your life, to how you live. The word of God is also the revelation to us of God's mind, how God thinks. If you want to know someone, you want to know how they think, what motivates them, what angers them, right? What excites them, what they are happy about, what they are unhappy about. So there is no way to know God without really being diligent in your study of the word of God. We cannot call ourselves children of God who don't seek to know him. Praise the name of Jesus. The Bible says Moses know, he knew the ways of God. He made his ways known unto Moses. And the way God makes his ways known unto us is through what? Through the Holy Scripture. The Bible tells us how God feels about any subject. About sin, about us, about other people about situations and circumstances, he's exhausted, he covers every aspect of life. The word of God is truth as God sees it. You know, with every situation, there is truth as God sees it. There's only one truth. The only truth is according to God. In fact, I think somewhere David said, I have esteemed your word to be true and I disregard every other thing as falsehood. That's, that should be the life of a believer. What does God feel about this? And that is my opinion about it. It doesn't matter what other people feel. It doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what the word says. We live in a world that is increasingly becoming hostile to the word of God, even in America, very hostile. There is an attempt to trash the Bible, to call it all kinds of names, and people will believe in it. And as Christians, at some point you have to make up your mind, is this true or not? It is true, and it is very important. I'd like us to read Psalm 19. When it comes to how the Bible describes itself, Psalm 19 is a very, very powerful book. In fact, you can also read Psalm 119. That's a longer verse, uh, a longer chapter. Actually, the longest chapter in the Bible. But I'll read a few verses from Psalm 19. That, that excites me when I read it. And I think it, will, it, it, will, it, it should excite any of you. Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making wise the simple. They are trustworthy. The precepts of the Lord are right. 
giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord, Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Verse 10, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By then, by them, your servants are warned, and in keeping them, there is a great reward. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 verse 89, David said, Oh, how I love your Lord. From verse 97, Oh, how I love your Lord. I meditate on it day and night. It is eternal. It stands forever. It is powerful. It is important for us to know that is the basis of our relationship with God. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's why we must really respect it, treat it carefully, and be studious in our seeking to understand it. Hallelujah. Now, the question is, does God now still speak today? Yeah, he spoke 66 books by 40 authors. Over a period of 1,500 years, did he stop speaking after this was completed? From the scripture, he did not. Praise the name of Jesus. And I thank God because God did not. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Apostle Paul was about to talk about the gift of the Spirit. And I love how he started. He wanted to lay a foundation to why the gift of the Spirit is important. And look at what he said. He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. I don't want you to just live in ignorance. And he said in verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols. Our God is not dumb. Hallelujah. Can we just put our hands together that we serve a God that is not done? So God is not done. He didn't stop speaking. And that's a good thing that we don't serve a God that cannot speak to us. All right? So if anybody is doubtful whether God speaks today or not, hopefully this helps you. John chapter 4 verse 26 talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit is to teach you. How can he teach you without speaking to you? All right? He said he will teach you all things. Not only will he teach you, he will remind you of everything I have said to you. Right? And I want you to notice that. He will remind you of everything I have said. This is everything he has said, right? So the Holy Spirit speaks today to remind us of everything he has said. Praise the name of Jesus. So God still speaks today. He did not stop speaking. Hallelujah. 
Now, here is the imbalance that is really, really common across the church in our lives. There are those who put so much emphasis on what he has said to the exclusion of what he is saying. And there are a lot of people like that. All right? They, they, are, they are not willing to entertain the gift of the Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Those people are close-minded. They are very subjective. The best way to put it is they serve a dumb God in their mind. They think their God is dumb. How can they be better than idol worshippers? Idol worshippers, they are dumb. They have, in fact, the Bible describes that they have mouth they can't speak. Isn't that what, what the Bible talks about, idol worshippers? You know, they, they are foolish. They serve gods that are made of mods or wood, of all kinds of things. Some of us serve the ones that are made of, uh, what are technology made of now? Some metal, some alloy, some plastic, some whatever, somewhere. All kinds of gods that we serve today, right? Right? That's the definition of idols. They are dumb. They can't speak. They can't guide. They can't comfort. That is not our God. Praise the name of Jesus. So these people deny the gift of the Spirit, the voice of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit, the manifestation of the gift of the Spirit. They are, sometimes they don't deny it up or outwardly, but they are suspicious of it, and they are not willing to entertain it. Some of them maybe because they've had bad experiences, you know, or maybe because of that, but your experiences is not, does not define who God is. Praise the name of Jesus. That is one extreme, and a lot of people in the body of Christ, in fact, you, a lot of denominations actually are based on that. A lot of people are taught like that, and a lot of believers sadly live their everyday life like that. But there are other extremes who put so much emphasis on knowing what God is saying now at the expense of what he already said. All right? And that's, that too is a very, very serious problem. Those are the people who go around looking for prophecies, looking for somebody. In fact, they go around not having studied the word. They don't even know what the scripture says about them, about their future, about their life, about their marriage, about what they're supposed to do. And what they do is they go around just looking for somebody to say something for, to them. Somebody to dream about them. Somebody to tell them things. And those people are being exploited. And you know, when there is a demand for something, that some people will supply it. That's the word we're living, right? Because there is demand for such, unfortunately, a lot of people under the guises, disguise of being pastors, prophet, prophet is what they use the word most. You know, prophet, 
or whatever, deceive people, lead them into serious captivity, destruction, saying that they can tell people about their future, about what they should do, who they should marry. Some people, Christians, will take pictures of two women or two men, give it to somebody to go and pray over it. That is preposterous. It's nonsense. It's not scriptural at all. Don't do that. Uh, don't do that. Don't ever do that. It's not in the scripture. To say somebody should pray over it and tell you who you should marry out of this. Come on. I mean, that's... The person is probably married to a wrong person if you look at their life. They, they, they can't even figure out who to marry themselves. Most of them are in messed up marriage. Those people will go around to, to tell people who to marry. So, but well, people do all these things. They tell people to go and have a shower by the beach. They tell people all kinds of things. You're just like, wow. And people believe all these things. So, the reason why people believe it is laziness in this, right? Laziness in this. So that's why. Now, do people speak? God speaks through people to us. Yes. Don't forget, he largely reminds us what he already said through, his, through those gifts, through those words, through those prophecies. That's what he largely does. And that is the problem many people have. When you will have, when you emphasize what he's saying now, having this, having neglected what he already said, you are going to run into trouble. You're going to run into things. You know, people will tell you things contrary to the word of God. You're going to be running your life based on falsehood, and that will not be your portion. In Jesus' name, it can be very challenging when you are going through challenges. You know, so I'm not, I'm not trying to take it lightly. I know when you are going through tough times, you know, when you're going through challenges, delay, you just want to do anything, right? You just say to yourself, you know what, what do I have to lose? You have a lot to lose listening to those kind of people. First of all, a lot of them are motivated by a wrong spirit, spirit of witchcraft, all kinds of demonic spirits. A lot of them run on those things. All right, so a lot of them manipulative spirit. So when you go in agreement with those things, you are actually being led by some demonic spirit yourself. So you have a lot to lose. All right, you have a lot to lose. So don't don't say I don't have because you are struggling. No, 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 no. Yes, we all go through tough times. We all go through challenging time. Job went through tough time. And somebody, the wife said, curse God and die. And he said, no, I would rather just die of my problem than to do something against God. Don't go to somebody to, to, to read your palm, to do all these things because you are going through tough time. Oh, what do I have to lose? You know, somebody's going to just read my, you know, just read my palm or do this or they just do horoscope and tell you what your future is what you should be doing now because you are confused. That does more damage to people. Please don't fall for it. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, what is the balance? So how do I approach these two? Number one, you must 
understand what God already said. I want you to pay attention to that. You see, in fact, before you can understand what he's saying now, you must understand what he already said. See, God's revelation is progressive. All right? It's progressive. It is really based upon what he already said. He progresses from there. So people who don't understand what he already said, even when he's speaking now, they can't get it. They can't. And that's the many problems that people have. They can't. And it's easy to be deceived by something that looks like. Apostle Paul said, even now, the angel of darkness, they are disguising like angels of light. And we have a lot of them. Don't forget we're in the last days. We have a lot of those people. Especially when they don't have fruit to show. Even, even some of them, the way they look, you can tell. Something is fishy. They claim to have some prayer line somewhere. They claim, I mean, they, they, you can just tell something is weird. And God is not weird like that. Praise the name of Jesus. So be very, very careful. All right? Spend your time understand what he already said. Another thing you're going to realize is this is God's language. All right? This is God's language. God speaks through this. So the more you are familiar with, I mean, there's a way you know someone. When you hear that somebody said they said this, you're going to doubt it, right? Has it ever happened to you before? That doesn't sound like the so, 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 so that I know. You know that. Because you are familiar with those people, if somebody came and said, oh, I had him or her saying this, you're going to say, I, I doubt it. The person I know does not talk like that or does not say things like that. That is what this does for you. All right? This helps you to know what God said. Also, on every subject, start with what God has said. When you are going through things, you just want to know God's will. You want to know God's will for your life. God's will for you, you know, for your future, for marriage, for ministry, for, you know, always start with what he has said. Always start there. Don't start by looking for somebody to say something, looking for somebody to give you a prophecy, looking for somebody to give you a word, looking for somebody. That is laziness. Always start from or with what God has said. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, what did Jesus tell us? Man shall not live by bread, but on every word that comes from. And you know, Jesus was quoting the scripture when he was talking to the devil. It is written. He was quoting Deuteronomy. Was quoting. So even Jesus was diligent in studying the word of God. So he knew what was written. Now, the devil misquoted the scripture to him. If you study that place very well, so the devil misquoted the scripture to him. The devil used the scripture. So all these people, who, they use scripture too. But they, 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 they tweak it to, to reflect God not in his character. So if you don't have scripture, you would think, oh, 
they are quoting scripture. You see, the problem with lies is it is not always pure lies. Otherwise, it won't really work. It's lie mixed with truth. Because they are mixed. That's why they work. That's why they deceive people. So the devil quoted the scripture, and Jesus said, look, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Praise the name of Jesus. Always start. Number three, live your life based on biblical principle. It's important. Don't, don't run your life based on something from somewhere, something external. I would like us to read Romans chapter 10. Wow, I'm fastly running out of time. Romans chapter 10, verse 6 through 8. should be on the screen. I want all of us to read it. Let's read it together. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does he say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the, the message concerning faith that we proclaim. You see, don't keep saying, I need something magical to happen. That's what he's trying to say. Don't say in your heart, oh, who's going to bring Jesus from the dead? It already happened. Don't say, who's going to bring Jesus down now? I need Jesus to appear to me now. You know, you know that's, that's the feeling. I just need some thunder and brimstone to fall now so I know this is how to live my life. Say, don't say that. Don't say, oh, you know, who's going to bring him from the deep? He say, look, the word is near you. It is closer than you think. Praise the name of Jesus. Isn't that what he said? It's even in your mouth and in your heart. If you're just going to be diligent a bit, it's near you. The word of faith that we preach, it's there. We, you already know. It already happened. Just live your life like that. So don't live, don't seek for signs. Don't seek for God to, to do things magical. If you seek it too much, the devil will give it to you. And he will give you a false one. And that's really, really what happened. So don't go around and be calling this. Oh, there's one pastor in Ohio. There's one pastor somewhere. You know, I just, I just need a word. I need a word. All these I need a word people, their life is always, if you look at their life, oh my God. I mean, it's, it's always all over the place. Unstable. They even get contradictory words all over. So don't go around because it's near you. Hallelujah. The next one is practice what you already know. So why should God even speak to you now when what he already spoke you don't even do? If you are God, you won't even speak to yourself. Right? You won't. So it is very important. And, I, and I, I don't have much time, but I'd like us to read Matthew chapter 7. They are simple scriptures, but, I, I, but they remind us, I mean, they are very basic, but they are very, very powerful. Can we read it together? Matthew 7, 24 through 27. 
Let's go. One, two. Therefore, everyone who hears this word of mine and put them to practice. It's like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against our house. Yet it did not fall because he has his foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, the wind blew and beat against our house, and he fell with a great crash. You see, build your life. Let the foundation be the word of God. So you will not be running after scatter when storm comes. You know, you will not be looking for somebody to give you, because you are sure. You know why you are not running after scatter is you are firm, you are solid. Yeah, it might be tough, it might be rough, but you are firm, you are in the will of God. You see, when you build your life on nothing, people will hear, they come to church every Sunday, they come, you know, they hear messages about how to live their life, how to run their marriage, they don't do. Oh, how to give, they don't. How to treat other people, they don't. Oh, how to have a strong prayer life, oh, no, that's for some other people. Oh, dude, uh, you know, I don't need other. Dude, now when problems come, I mean, they are so desperate. Ah, God must do something. That's their desperate. They need a word. They need somebody. And somebody tells them, oh, there's somebody here when they pray for you. Ah, oh, he sees vision life like this. And they are running around. Because. And you know what happened? He said it fell with a great crash. You will not crash in Jesus' name. You will stand when the storm comes. In the mighty name of Jesus. But you must build your life. Your foundation must be on what he already revealed. Hallelujah. Now, as you live your life, you're going to run into instances when principles are limited. They don't address one specific situation. Right? They don't address it. Then that's when God speaks. They don't address. Now, if you're looking for somebody to marry, the Bible already told us a lot about who to marry. You start from there. That doesn't mean the Bible is going to point you to somebody, but it will give you a guide. It gives you a guide about how to spend your money. Just follow it. You don't need to ask God every Sunday, oh, should I pay my tithe, Holy Spirit? God is going to say, are you stupid? What are you talking about? Just, I already, I already said that. Yeah. Should I love this brother, Holy Spirit? No, no, no. You love. Love everyone. He already said that. He already gave us across the board. You don't need to do that. Now, but you need to live your life, however, always open to what he wants to say within the boundary of this. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. Now, within the boundary of this, there's a lot God want to say to us. And that's important. That's really where, that's a lot God want to say to us. So God is not dumb. He's not, he didn't stop speaking. But he already gave, he gave us principles, blueprint to live our life. He gave us blueprint to run your marriage. Now, 
there are specific instances when we want to tell you something specific about specific instance, specific person, specific situation. There are times when he wants to remind us in a specific way about what he already said that we have forgotten, right? In those instances, prophecy comes, right? In those instances, word of knowledge comes. In those instances, dreams come, right? In those instances, God, God interjects. God tells us. He assures us. In fact, how many times did he repeat to people in the Bible, fear not? You know, when, you, when God spoke to uh, Joshua, for example, he didn't tell Joshua what he, already, he, he hasn't said. He, I mean, he just told Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't be courageous. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to, you know, he did not tell Joshua anything that he has not said before. He didn't just say, oh, now I have changed my mind about going to Canaan. Now I'm moving now. In fact, I'm turning you back to Egypt. Joshua would be stupid to listen to something like that. But don't you think Joshua was encouraged when God reinforced it again to him? You know, So the Holy Spirit speaks largely to encourage us about what he already said. Right? And to address, and I want you to listen to it, specifics within the boundary of what he already said, right? Between that boundary. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell you, oh, don't go to church. You don't even need church in your life. And there are people who said, the Holy Spirit told me not to go to church anymore. That's contrary. Now, he can tell you, choose this church or this church, right? So that is within the boundary of what he already said. So that is important for you to know. You must know that within the boundary of what God has said, he will, the Holy Spirit will speak to remind us or to focus us. Praise the name of Jesus. But we must be open to be able to do that. Don't be close-minded. And don't say, oh, because I've had bad experiences. And therefore, I would not entertain the Holy Spirit. And many of us, we do that sometimes. We, we are not open to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. I will end by reading 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. 1 <coughs> Samuel chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. So Samuel already made up his mind, if I hear a voice, it must be Eli, right? So God was calling him three times, and he was going to Eli three times. It all the three times. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. I have a feeling there are many of us, we are close-minded. The Lord is speaking to you, 
specifically about things in your life, but because you are close-minded, you are not listening. I want us to pray. I want us to rise up and pray that God will deliver us from close-mindedness. We are going to pray that God will open our ears to hear so that we can truly walk with him. Now, he already spoke. It's important. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He already spoke, but I, I believe as I was praying about this this morning, it just, it just, it just impressed it in my spirit that there's a, there's a lot of people here who are, they are very close-minded. They are not open. The Lord speaks to them. And the Lord said, because what he's speaking to you involves sacrifices, you ignored it. You know, it involves you really going beyond your comfort zone. But you are just comfortable with being comfortable. You know, if you are just comfortable with being comfortable, you will never experience God's supernatural power, God's supernatural grace. And I want us to raise our hands today and just say, Lord, I open my heart to you. I come to you with an open mind. And I come to you with an open heart. Speak to me. I'm willing to hear. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Open my ears to hear in the mighty name of Jesus. I repent of close-mindedness. I repent of stubbornness. I repent of not trusting you and therefore disobeying you. Deliver me in the mighty name of Jesus. Open my heart. Open my ears. I want you to just pray personally. If there's some specific area, if it's, you are the one that, you know, there's some, spe some of you obviously, you know the area. Yours is not general. You know that area. I want you to just ask God to help you. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Give me grace. Give me power. Help me to be able to just step up in that area. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. I want to, I want to, I want to, there are some people specifically here. He's speaking to you about salvation. You see, your life is on the line. And it's been impressing upon your heart. Give your life to me. Surrender it. But you are so afraid that this is going to change my life completely. And I, I, I just don't want to take that risk. I love my life the way it is now. I just don't know what the Lord is going to do with it. But today you want to change that. You want to trust him with your life. I want all eyes closed. All heads bowed. If you're in that category, I want you to just raise your right hand. I'd like to agree with you and pray with you. You want to say, you know what? I think I'm done. I want to just release it all for him. If you're there, please raise your right hand. I'd like to pray with you. Thank you. Raise it. Just keep it raised. Keep it raised. Yeah, God bless you. Raise your right hand. Please raise it. Let me see it. Just wave it. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Any other person? I have like four people. I think there could be more. Just wave it. Let me see it. You can look up and look at me so I can just agree with you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, brother. 
I want you to place that hands on your chest. God bless you. Just place that hands on your chest and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for speaking to me today. Today, I surrender my whole life to you. And I ask you, take it over. I put my faith in the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary for my sin. I believe he died for me. I believe he was buried and he rose again the third day because of me. Today, I yield my life completely to him. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I trust what you are going to do with my life. I will no longer restrain, but I will just give you all. Do whatever you want with my life. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that this word will not come back to you void. I pray that this word in the name of Jesus will bear fruit so that many, many years from now, even as eternity, the result of this word will still be standing. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Before I go, there's a word here from one of our ministers. Hold on to your hope. Keep your focus on me. I am with you as you wait for me to move. I believe that word is for somebody. If you gave your life today, if you made that decision, please make sure you fill it on a tear portion. I'd like to have you and continually pray for you. The Lord bless you. Keep standing while we wait for our confession. Amen.